0: السلام عليكم wa الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد wa إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Sallallahu ta'ala alayhi عليه وعلى wa وصحبه wa wa كثيرا wa أما بعد sallam بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون wa النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا wa عليه wa تسليما اللهم صل wa محمد وعلى sallam محمد كما wa على wa Wala Ali Ibrahim in the Khamidun Majid. Allahumma baraka ala Muhammad in Wala Ali Muhammad. Kamabaraka ala Ibrahim. Wala Ali Ibrahim in the Majid. Respect listeners. For a few weeks now we've been reading and studying the hadith of Umm al Mu'mineen Aisha, Rabi anha. About her trial of being falsely accused of a major sin. It's one of the most famous episodes in the life of Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha. And she relates it in a very long and eloquent hadith, recorded by most authors in their books. And we've been reading the same account from Sahih al-Bukhari To continue with the hadith Before I do again just a quick summary this time In the fifth year of the hijrah The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Travelled in the month of Sha'ban Towards the west and southwest of Medina with an intention of launching a preemptive strike against a very large and powerful tribe, Banu Mustaliq, who had been plotting and planning for the past two years to attack Medina. There was a very minor battle, more a skirmish, well a minor battle, and with minimum casualties, the battle ended, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was victorious. The tribe eventually submitted This campaign was known as Ghazwat Bani Al-Mustaliq The campaign of Ban Al-Mustaliq Named after the tribe It's also called Ghazwat Al-Muraisi The campaign of Muraisi It's one and the same thing Muraisi is actually the location Where the Prophet ﷺ met the tribe and fought them and this took place in the month of Sha'ban in the fifth year of Hijrah. After the successful campaign, the Prophet wasallam made his way back to the city of Medina. And en route, a number of incidents took place. And I've discussed them in detail before I won't repeat them now. But one of the most tragic incidents of that journey was when the prophet sallallahu with the companions Radiallahu anhum was in the final stages of the journey and closer to medina they were camped the prophet sallallahu made an announcement for at night for the camps to resume their journey and When mu'minin aisha Radiallahu anha went away in order to prepare herself for the journey and she went to relieve herself, she lost her necklace. When she discovered that she went to retrieve it, in her absence the camp uh, had uprooted and left. The whole army had uprooted and left. She was then discovered by Safwan ibn radiyallahu a companion whom the Prophet had appointed as a rear guard. And he then safely brought her back to Medina, uh, not Medina, to the camp, which uh, was again closer to Medina. And they arrived in the camp at midday, and being very brief as I've gone through all the details before, and when they were seen arriving in the camp, this was (coughs) Aisha radiallahu anha on the camel being led by Safwan ibn Mu'attal, Abdullah ibn Ubayy ibn Salul, the leader of the hypocrites who was present in that campaign, he he instigated a rumor and began a campaign of vilification against Aisha radiallahu anha, very graphically and falsely accusing her of committing adultery with uh, Safwan ibn Mu'abdal. The news spread, she was totally unaware and quite innocent in this whole regard, when they returned to Medina, she was still unaware. However, because of the long and arduous journey, and for other reasons also, possibly Umminin mm-hmm. Aisha radiyallahu anha fell ill, and for a whole month she remained ill. Well, for some time, and despite her illness, she she didn't sense anything. She was totally unaware. Eventually, she discovered that rumors were being circulated about her and her chastity. Her illness only increased and became worse. And then Prophet ﷺ began making inquiries amongst the companions and the family. Well, uh, more or less amongst the family household. Uh, he approached and consulted Osama ibn Zayd and Ali ibn Abi Talib, And then the Prophet ascended the minbar. And he addressed the companions. This was his first public address about this whole issue. In short, so far after her return, Aisha رضي الله عنها was ill. And even though these rumors were circulating, they had reached... Uh, her whole household And the Prophet Sallallahu Nobody had made her aware of it Eventually she found out later And it was at that time That the Prophet Sallallahu Began making inquiries The public m- Most of the public already knew Of these rumors And it's in that context And in that climate That the Prophet Sallallahu Ascended the minbar And publicly addressed the congregation and spoke of this issue for the first time. And his words were, who will excuse me? Since everyone knew who the main instigator was, and he was none other than Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Saloon. So the Prophet wasallam said, who will excuse me? In relation to someone, or who will excuse me about someone? whose hurt has reached me even in my family and what the meaning of who will excuse me is if i seek to retaliate against him who will excuse me in this regard so sa'd ibn mu'adh radiyallahu anhu the leader of the aws tribe stood up and said o messenger of allah commanders if he is one of us we will deal with him and if he is from the other tribe, our brothers, the Khazraj, then command us also and we will deal with him. And then Sa'd ibn Ubadah, the leader of the Khazraj tribe, he stood up and he responded to Sa'd ibn Mu'adh and said to him that you lie. You will never be able to harm him. And then Usaid ibn Hudayr, عنه, who was a cousin brother of Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, the leader of the Aws tribe, he stood up and he responded, Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, and in their heated exchange, the Sahaba, who joined in, because they were all from most of them were from the two rival tribes of Os and Khazraj, and there was a huge uproar in the masjid, in front of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa And then the Prophet ﷺ was in the minbar, he calmed everybody down, and then he descended from the minbar, and standing on the ground, he continued to calm everybody down. This is the point which we had reached two weeks ago, before last week's tafsir. I've been through it, well I've provided a very quick summary, because I didn't want to go into too much detail as it gets too long. But all of this we've covered in great detail so far. Now to continue from where we left off. Fathar al-Hiyani al-Awsa al Khazraj So the two tribes of Aws and Khazraj they erupted. Hatta hum until they intended, i.e., to battle with each other. Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم al المنبر. And Allah's Messenger sallallahu الله عليه وسلم, was on the minbar. Fana so he descended. Fakhfadhahm, and then he quieted them, calmed them down. Hatta saket, until they fell fell silent. Wasaket, and until he fell silent. Wabakeeto and remember these are the words of Ummul Muminin Aisha رضي الله عنها. She says, Wabakeeto yomi, and I wept my whole day. لا يرقى لي دمع ولا أكتحل بنوم No tear would stop of mine And nor would I find Nor would I adorn my eyes with sleep Asbaha Indi أبواء So my parents spent the morning with me وقد بكيت ليلتين ويومة And I had wept for two (coughs) whole nights and one day. (coughs) حَتَّى أَظُنُّ إِنَّ الْبُكَاءَ فَالِقٌ Kabidi Until I feared that (coughs) weeping would split my heart, would tear my heart apart. (coughs) قَالَتْ She then said, before I continue, let me explain those words. Umm مُؤْمِنِينَ عَيْشَ Remember, she had, as soon as she, she had gone out in one of the nights to answer the call of nature, her grandmother's sister was accompanying her, the mother of Mistah. And she informed her of what people were saying about her. So... She fell ill, she returned home, she wept She then sought the permission of the Prophet to go to her parents She continued to weep there, she fell unconscious there, her parents sent her back Then the Prophet made inquiries and he then ascended the minbar And in all of this, she says, I had continued to weep for two whole nights and a whole day. That means continuously uninterrupted. She wept so much that she feared. In this narration it says, until I thought. And in another narration the words are, until my parents feared and thought that weeping would tear my heart apart. Imagine her tears, Allahu Akbar. A person often wants to feel wanted and loved. And not thought less of. We want to impress our friends. Our family members. We even want to impress strangers. Our insecurities lead us. To portraying ourselves even falsely in a better manner, simply because of this fear and perception in our minds that people will think less of us. what will someone think? what will people say <coughs> And this fear of losing our izza, our honour, our sense of dignity, leads us to saying and doing all manner of things. Being false, false with ourselves, false with our Creator, false with some in order to impress others. So as humans, of course, we wish to impress others. We wish not to be thought of. In an inferior manner, or not to be thought of any less. This is why we shield our faults and conceal our sins. More out of fear of being thought less of. When a person wishes to impress others so much, and when an individual fears being thought less of so much by any individual... Imagine how fearful Umm al Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu anha must have been in relation not only to her husband, <coughs> but her husband who was a messenger of Allah. For her it wasn't simply a question of, does my husband trust me? Does my husband believe me? Does my husband think that I have committed such a sin? For her it wasn't just a question of, what will my husband think? For her it was also a question of, what will the messenger of Allah think? For all of the wives... They treated the Prophet not only as their husband but as a messenger of Allah. And this was her pain. This is why she wept uninterrupted in such a manner, racked with emotion and tears for two whole nights and a whole day, continuously. That not only she, but also her mother and father, all feared that her weeping in that manner, her sobbing, her tears, would rent her heart apart. Qalat, <laughs> she continues. فَبَيْنَمَا هُمَا جَالِسَانِ Indi, So whilst they were both seated with me. This was in one of the later days. Well, it was the next day after the After the Prophet had spoken. It may have been on the same day, it may have been the next day. In any case, Umm al Mu'minin Aisha radiyallahu says that I was with the Prophet Oh sorry, I was at home with my parents. أَبْكِي And whilst they were both seated with me and I was weeping, إِذِ اسْتَأْذَنَتِ مَرَأَةٌ مِّنَ When a woman from amongst the Ansar, she sought permission to enter and visit. For So I granted her permission. فَجَلَسَتْ تَبْكِي مَعِي So she sat down weeping with me. That's all she did. A woman from amongst the Ansar came and sought permission so that she could sit down with Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha and share her grief with her. She couldn't say much. What words of advice could she offer? But she came and sat down and wept with Aisha radiallahu anha. فَبَيْنَمَا نَحْنُ كَذَٰلِكَ So whilst we were in this state, When the Messenger of Allah Entered, for jealous, then he sat down. And he had not sat down with me from the day That the lie that was said about me was said about me. Meaning, since the time these rumors had began circulating, the Prophet ﷺ had never actually sat down by her from that moment. This was the first time. He would come and visit her, and the most he would say to her was, Hawaii. But he would not actually sit down or spend any time with her. So she says, I was there at home with the Ansari woman weeping. My parents were with me when the Prophet ﷺ entered. It's not mentioned in this narration, but we have from the other narrations collectively. I can explain that what actually happened is she, she was there on the bed. She was so ill. And weak because of weeping and because of these fears and thoughts. And her parents were with her. When the Prophet ﷺ entered after Asr Salah, when he entered, seeing her, he said, what's wrong with her? Since she was on the bed. So the Prophet ﷺ was told, by her mother possibly That old messenger of Allah Yes her mother said to him Fever has struck her Very severe fever So the Prophet wasallam said Possibly because of what has been said about her So her mother said yes So Umm al muminin Aisha anha Sat up And her father then sat to her, right, uh, sat to her side Her mother also sat to her side and the Prophet then came and sat down right in front of umm al-Mu'mineen A'isha radhiyallahu anha. And before this he had never sat down with her. She says, indeed, the Prophet wasallam had waited for a whole month and nothing was revealed to him about me at all. For a whole month. Alat, she says, Shahad. Before I continue, I'd also like to mention that this in itself is one of the proofs of the Prophet honesty, truthfulness, his integrity and his being a messenger of Allah and not an imposter. He has been accused of producing revelations and verses of the Quran on a whim, of citing the name of God, taking the name of Allah for His personal motives and for personal gain and benefit. Everything we know about the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu proves the contrary. When wealth flowed into Medina, the Prophet sallallahu continued to live a simple life, giving that wealth in the way of Allah and in charity. He's been accused of falsely claiming revelation. This was one of the most testing times even for the messenger of Allah. Imagine, his wife has been accused of infidelity, of a lack of chastity, of being unchaste. The whole of Medina was engulfed in the flames of gossip and rumor mongering. If there was any time in which the Prophet ﷺ could have benefited from an instant revelation, it was this. He could have simply stood up on the minbar on the very second day or the very moment he heard this rumor himself and defended himself and defended his wife and his family. And he loved her most dearly. She was his, without doubt, most beloved wife. Fatima radiyallahu anha, his own daughter, flesh and blood, was sent by the other wives to plead with the messenger of Allah to consider them as he considered her. And in their words, they were demanding justice in relation to the daughter of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. They never even said Abu Bakr, they said the daughter of Ibn Abi Qahafah. So when Fatima radiyallahu anha came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in one narration we learn that he said to her, Who sent you? Is this the doing of Zaynab bin Tujash? And she said, Yes, O Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to her, My child, do you not wish to love that which I love? And she said, of course, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet said, my daughter. And then he pointed to Aisha anha and said, love her just as I love her. And that was to his daughter. And before that, Ummu Salamah anha had come to the Prophet and pleaded with him three times. The first two times he had overlooked and ignored her. Third time he said to her, Do not hurt me in relation to Aisha. For by Allah, none of my wives has been with me when I have received revelation except for Aisha. Revelation and wahi come to me when I am with Aisha lying down with her. And that honor and privilege was accorded to no other wife. So he said to Umm Salamah radiallahu anha, Do not hurt me in relation to Aisha. Then Umm Sallamah anha desisted from persisting any further, and she said, I seek refuge in Allah from the displeasure of Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa that was his own wife. So of all the wives, he loved Umm al Aisha radiyallahu anha the most. So you can imagine his pain. If he was an imposter, he could have stood up on the minbar, and in an instant... Claimed a revelation which exonerated her, cleared her of all blame, cleared her name, declared her purity and innocence. And doused and extinguished the flames of this fitna once and for all. (coughs) But the messenger of Allah was not an imposter. Allah continued to test him. (coughs) For this whole period. And as Umm al muminin A'isha anha says, وَقَدْ مَكَثَ Shahra, He had waited for a whole month. And yet no revelation about her innocence. Or his state was forthcoming. Imagine. One can only understand this in relation to the Prophet wasallam. If someone has that self dignity and honour, gheera, or another pronunciation of the word gheera, is passion and jealousy and protectiveness. Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, we discussed him two weeks ago, and I've just mentioned him recently. Who was he? The leader of Khazraj. The one who stood up and countered the words of the leader of Oh, Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, radiyallahu So Sa'd ibn Ubadah, radiyallahu one of the earliest Muslims. I explained some of his virtues two weeks ago. He was such a passionate and jealous and protective man, a man of such ghairah. that even amongst the Arabs, it was said that Sa'd ibn Ubadah, radiyallahu could not tolerate, and forgive me for being explicit in this regard, it was said that Sa'd ibn Ubadah عن, could not tolerate the thought of marrying any woman who had been with another man before. And so he had only ever married a virgin even before Islam. And Sa'd ibn Ubadah protectiveness and passion and jealousy were such that even anyone he divorced, no one dared to marry her. That was said of Sa'd ibn Ubadah. That he only ever married a virgin, and if he ever ended up divorcing any of his wives, no one dared to marry her. Because of the Ghairah of Sa'd ibn Ubadah. So once Prophet ﷺ said, Do you marvel at the ghayrah? of Sa'd ibn Ubadah, do you marvel at the passion and jealousy and protectiveness of Sa'd ibn Ubadah, then know that I am even more protective and passionate and jealous than he is. Meaning my ghairah, my ghayrah, my ghayrah is stronger than his. And Allah is even more protective than me. So, imagine The Prophet was full of ghayrah. such protectiveness, such passion. And for him to be subjected to this trial, that his most beloved wife may have been unfaithful to him, or that's what was being circulated. You can imagine his pain and his anguish. This is why Ali said to him, O Messenger of Allah, there are many other women besides her, divorce her and marry someone else. He did not say this out of spite and he did not say this in animosity to Aisha radiyallahu anha. He said this merely because of, out of compassion for the Prophet wasallam. he could not bear to see the Messenger of Allah in that state. To relieve him of that anguish and that pain, he suggested, he suggested to him that it would be better for you to separate. Only someone who has an understanding of the ghairah can appreciate what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, must have gone through. But for a whole month no revelation was forthcoming. And it still hadn't come. So she says, "Waqad makatha Shahra, He had waited a whole month. لَا يُحَى إِلَيْهِ فِي بِشَيْءٍ No revelation had come to him. About me. Qalat, she then said, for He had sat down for and then he had praised Allah. And the meaning of tashahd here is taking the name of Allah and praising Him and praying to Him and supplicating to Him before mentioning something. When you hear a speech, what are the sunnah words that we hear? Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin, and so on. Allah begins His book with the Tashahud the has two meanings. One is, a speci- one is the more specific meaning, which we know in salah that when we sit down in after two rakaat and the final rakaat, what do we do? tayyibat and That is known as tashahud. That's the more specific definition of tashahud in Salah. The wider meaning of tashahud, which includes this, is to praise and glorify Allah. And this is why when a person makes du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one should... build one's dua and introduce an introduction to one's dua with the hamd and the thana of Allah, with the praise and the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, that's how the Qur'an begins. How does the Qur'an begin? Alhamdulillahi <laughs> rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman rahim Maliki yawmiddin. This is the shahad. This is a praise and the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, even on such an occasion, he did not forget. Nor was he neglectful or mindless of the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He sat down before Aisha radiyaAllahu anha. And what did he say? He had not sat with her for a whole month since the beginning of this episode. For tashahhud, And in another narration, For hamidAllahu wa athna He praised Allah and he glorified him. And then he said, أَمَّا بَعْدْ فَتَشَهَدْ ثُمَّ قَالُ Then he praised Allah and then said, يَا عَائِشَةَ اَوْ عَائِشَةَ لقد بَلَغْنِي عَنْكِ كَذَا وَكَذَا Such and such has reached me about you. He did not mention the allegation specifically or explicitly. He inferred, he insinuated, but he did not mention it explicitly. O oh Aisha, such and such has reached me about you. in kunti baria, So if you are innocent, فَسَيُبَرِّءُكِ Then indeed Allah will declare you innocent. وَإِن أَلْمَمْتِي بِذَنْبٍ And if you have committed a sin, فَاسْتَغْفِرِ اللَّهَ إليه Then seek Allah's forgiveness and repent unto him. فَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ For indeed a servant, If he... Acknowledges his sin. طاب, then he repents. Allah relents to him in accepting his repentance. Akbar. What's remarkable about this is imagine the calmness and the composure and the dignified demeanour of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is who he is the most loved honored respected leader revered by his followers feared by his enemies the de facto ruler of medina the highest authority the highest judicial legislative authority even for the non-muslims of the city he is regarded as a messenger of allah the recipient of revelation and his wife is accused of adultery that's an attack on his honor on his dignity on his manliness, on his masculinity On his position The Prophet wasallam does not go into a wild rage Nor does he scream and shout at his wife Nor is he violent towards her Let alone physically, not even verbally Not even emotionally He does not taunt her He sits down He praises Allah glorifies the name of Allah and calmly says that O oh Aisha such and such has reached me about you if you are innocent Allah will declare you to be innocent most men would not be able to go beyond those words most men would not be able to contemplate the thought of guilt and if there was guilt what would be the consequences? Well, for the Prophet, being who he is, he says to his wife, وَإِنْ كُنْتِ الْمَمْتِ بِذَنْبٍ And if you have committed a sin. Now, before I continue, I'd just like to mention the word al-mamdi. al المنت comes from ilmam. And ilmam actually means someone committing a sin out of ignorance not out of habit and i say ignorance because allah says in the quran innat tawbatu ala allah lil ladina ya'maluna as-su'a bi jahalah thumma yatubuna min qareeb fa ulai ka yatubullahu tawbah repentance is only for those repeat the duty of relenting in repentance and accepting the repentance on Allah is only for those people who commit a sin in ignorance, and the meaning of ignorance is not lack of knowledge قريب, then they repent swiftly shortly. the meaning of jahala in ignorance here does not mean. Not knowing. But it means when a person commits a sin. Despite knowing its prohibition, in a moment of weakness, succumbing to temptation, being misled by the devil, something which is done out of character. And who is there who has not sinned? Who is there who has not wronged himself or herself? Who is there who is blemishless. So that's the meaning of ilman. When a person commits a sin, not in character but out of character. Not persistently but only in a a moment of weakness. Allah says, those who repent in ignorance, i.e. in that manner, Ignorance in that verse does not mean lack of knowledge, that they never knew it was haram. No, despite knowing it was haram, a person commits a sin in a moment of weakness. Then, once they realize, they repent unto Allah. Allah accepts repentance for such people. Allah... It says here Allah is not duty bound to accept in, in at that part of that verse the repentance of those who commit sins, i. e. continuously and repeatedly. These aren't sins that are committed infrequently or in a moment of weakness or succumbing to temptation. Rather, this is a, not something done out of character, but in character. Something which is a reflection of the person's very being and their corruption. So that word, "ilmam" this is what it means. When a person commits a sin out of character. So he said to her, وَإِن كُنتِ أَلْمَمْتِ And if you have committed a sin i.e. out of character and which isn't part of habit. Here, as a one-off in a moment of weakness, succumbing to temptation, being misled by the devil, then what does he say to her? wa tubi Then seek Allah's forgiveness and repent unto him. Being a husband, being a man, rather than being even harsh or loud or aggressive, not even emotionally, he calmly says to his own beloved wife If you have committed a sin Then seek Allah's forgiveness and repent unto him For indeed when a servant acknowledges his fault and sin And repents unto Allah Allah relents unto him and accepts his repentance What's remarkable is the dignified demeanor of Rasulullah wasallam, His composure and he was like that. He never judged. He never allowed others to judge. He always saw the great picture. He saw a sinner as a victim of shaitan. Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu anhu relates a hadith in Bukhari that a man was caught drinking. And hauled before the Messenger of Allah sallallahu and he had been caught drinking alcohol after its prohibition a number of times, and each time he was called, he was caught, he was hauled before the Messenger of Allah, and he was punished. So the Prophet sallallahu was with his companions when this companion was brought, and. Prophet sallallahu told the sahaba radiyallahu anhu, discipline him, teach him a lesson. So they, Umar radiyallahu anhu says, we fell on him with our hands and with that. They, they hit him. So someone who was standing there said, how shameless is he? Time and time again he is caught drinking and he is brought before the messenger of Allah, and yet he still doesn't desist. The Prophet said, Do not speak of him in such a manner. وَلَا الشَّيْطَانَ عَلَىٰ أخيكم. And do not assist shaytan against your brother. Meaning, he has already been a victim of shaytan, and shaytan is gloating over the fact that he has misled him, and made him commit this sin. He is already gloating and immensely pleased. Why do you wish to taunt him, to throw jives at him, and to judge him in this manner, and to abuse him and please shaitan even more? Then the Prophet said of him, For what I do know of him is that he loves Allah and his Messenger. A person can no one is perfect. No one is perfect. And a believer can have great good in him or her, and one or two weaknesses. That was his weakness. But his good overwhelmed his sin and his weakness. So imagine the Prophet sitting in front of his own beloved wife, and saying to her, If you have committed the sin, then seek Allah's forgiveness. And repent unto him, for indeed when a servant acknowledges his or her sin and repents unto Allah, Allah relents to them and accepts their repentance. فَلَمَّا قَضَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عليه وسلم مقالته <coughs> فَلَمَّا قَضَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ مَقَالَتَهُ Then when Allah's Messenger had finished his speech, his words, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha says, My tears dried up. حَتَّى مَا أُحِسُ مِنْهُ قَطْرَةً So much so that I could not feel a single drop. وَقُلْتُ لِأَبِي And I said to my father, now what had happened? Why did her tears dry up? She had reached a point beyond which she felt she could not fall. She had reached the end of her tether. She had reached rock bottom. till now she had wept she was emotional she was in turmoil and anguish she was in great pain the human body and the human mind and the heart are remarkable things they are resilient and can take a lot and she had borne this burden and this weight and stress So much that now she locked up. She developed a shell. And her tears dried up. Her pain turned into anger. Her anguish turned into anger. And her weakness, her physical weakness, now turned into emotional strength. My tears dry. Why now? Because until now she never knew what the Prophet wasallam thought. But now that the Messenger of Allah had said to her, if you are innocent then Allah will declare you to be innocent. But if you have committed a sin, then seek Allah's forgiveness and repent unto him. That confirmed her worst fear. That is the Messenger of Allah even in doubt about me? Is the Messenger of Allah, my husband, even saying to me, if and if? That's why she said, Qala My tears dried up. Hatta ma minhu qatra. So much so that I could not feel a single drop. Then she turned. Now, emotionally and mentally, she became almost defiant because of her pain. And she said, Wa qultu li abi, And I said to my father, remember, he was sitting next to her. أَجِبْ عِنِّي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. Answer me. Answer the messenger of Allah on my behalf. And it's not mentioned here, but in another narration, Abu Bakr also said, Oh my child, if you are innocent, Allah will declare you to be innocent. And if you have committed a sin, then seek Allah's forgiveness and repent unto him. And then he said, Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه she says, he said, وَاللَّهِ مَا أَدْرِي مَا أَقُولُ لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ By Allah, I do not know what I can say to the Messenger of Allah. فَقُلْتَ <clears> لِأُمِّي <throat> So then she then turned to her mother who was at her side and said, Ajibi anni Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam O mother, answer the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in what he has said about me. Answer on my behalf. It's not mentioned here but in another narration, she also said, O oh my child, if you are innocent, Allah will declare you to be innocent. But if you are, have committed a sin, then repent unto Allah. She also then said, Wallahi ma adri, ma sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I do not know what I can say to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa What could they say? There she was, this innocent young girl. Her husband is before her, and not any husband but the Messenger of Allah. Her father is next to her, and not any father. But Abu Bakr as-siddiq, radiyallahu anha. And her mother is next to her, not any other. but Umm Ruman, radiyallahu anha. And even they say to her, if you are guilty, then repent. If you have committed a sin, then repent. And she knew she was innocent. But she was now a lone voice. She could not convince her husband... The messenger of Allah or her father or her mother. It didn't mean that they believed the rumours. But being human beings, they were also in anguish and confusion. She knew she was innocent. But how can that lone voice declare her innocence? So listen to what she has to say. قَالَتْ, she says, وَأَنَا جَارِيَةٌ حَدِيثَةُ السِّنِ And I was a girl, young of age. لَا أَقْرَأُ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْقُرْآنِ I would not read much of the Qur'an. فَقُلْتْ, so I said, وَاللَّهِ by اللَّهِ لَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ Indeed, what I, I do know that you have heard what people have been saying in their conversations. And it has settled in your heart. And you have believed it and attested to it. قُلْتُ لَكُمْ أَنِّي And if I say to you that indeed I am innocent, وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ أَنِّي And Allah knows that indeed surely I am innocent. لَا تُصَدِّقُونِي بِذَٰلِكِ You will not believe me in this. وَلَيْنِ اَعْتَّرَفْتُ لَكُمْ بِأَمْرٍ And if I confess to you about something, وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ Anni لَبَرِيْئَةَ When Allah knows that I am indeed surely innocent of it, لَتُصَدِّقُنِّي You will surely believe me. In other words, it's not mentioned that clearly here in in another narration, she says, that this has settled in your hearts, so much so, that you won't believe otherwise. If I say to you that I am innocent, and Allah knows that I am innocent, you still won't believe me. But if I say to you, that, if I say to you that, which agrees with what has already settled in your hearts and minds, and despite my innocence... Mere to, merely to agree with you I say that yes I am guilty of it And I confess to something Of which I am innocent Then you will believe me She says Wallahi ma ajidu li lakum mathala By Allah I do not find any example For you and me I do not find any parable Or similitude for you and me Illa Aba Yusuf Except the father of Yusuf now this is why she meant, what she meant when she said earlier on, I was a girl young of age, I would not read much of the Quran. What was the name of the father of Yusuf alayhi salam? Ya'qub. But she says in another narration, in my pain and in my anguish and in her anger, she searched for the name of Ya'qub alayhi salam, but it didn't come to her. That's why she said Wallahi أَجَدُ لَكُمْ وَلِي مَثَلًا By Allah I do not find a parable or a similitude for you and me, except the father of Yusuf, Ithqal, when he said, What did he say? For Sobrunjamil Wallahu patience, seemly beautiful patience is better for me, and I can only see I can only seek Allah's help in what you say of me. When did he say that? When his sons came to him and said, Father, a wolf has devoured your son, Yusuf. He knew they were lying. He was a messenger of Allah. He said, بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ amra." Nay, your hearts have plotted and schemed a plan for you. What could he do? They had collectively being his sons and the brother of Yusuf they had collectively and so mischievously disposed of him he as a frail old father what could he do in that moment of helplessness and feeling of in the feeling of being defeated فصبر جميل والله مستعان على ما تصفون he said seemly beautiful patience is better for me. This is my affair. For sabrun jameel, beautiful patience is my affair. This is what I will do. Wallahum musta'anu ala ma And I can only seek the help of Allah in or over what you say of me. So she said to them, By Allah, I do not find any similitude or parable or similarity or example for you and me, except the father of Yusuf, When he said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ اللَّهُ مُستَعَانُ عَلَىٰ مَا تَصِفُونَ So, Seemly Patience. And Allah is the one whose help is besieged over what you say. ثُمَّ تَحَوَّلْتُ عَلَىٰ فِرَاشٍ Then, I turned on my bed. In another narration, I turned on my bed and faced the wall and began weeping. وَأَنَا أرجو أَن يُبَرِّئَنِي اللَّهِ and I was hoping that Allah would declare me innocent. وَلَكِنْ وَاللَّهِ مَا ظَلَنْتْ But by Allah, I did not think أَن يُنزِلَ فِي wahya That he would reveal or send down about me a revelation. That would be recited. And in another narration, that would be recited even in the masajid. فِي and I am surely inferior in my view. In my view, I am surely inferior to being spoken of in the Qur'an. ولكن كنت أرجو أن يرى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في رؤيا. But I, only hope, or I surely hoped, I, w- I was hoping, that the messenger of Allah would see a vision or a dream in sleep. In which Allah would declare me to be innocent. What she says here is, she knew she was innocent, but now she was defenseless. فَصَبْرٌ Jameel, She turned to the on her bed, faced the wall and began weeping. And she knew that in one way or the other, Allah will declare her innocent. But she said, The most that will happen is that the messenger of Allah will be given a sign. Or maybe he sees a dream, and in that dream Allah declares me to be innocent. Or some other sign. I never for a moment thought that Allah would actually send down a revelation of the Qur'an in my regard. That would be recited by the people and even sounded out and declared in the masajid. In fact, I considered myself worthless of such a privilege and honor. I was too inferior in my own view of being spoken about in the Qur'an. in <coughs> For Wallahi, she continues, but by Allah, He had not moved from his place in front of me. And neither had anyone from the household left until revelation was sent down on him. فَأَخَذَهُ So he was seized by that seizure which would take hold of him when he would receive revelation. So much so that pearl-like perspiration was dropping from him. On a cold day When the Prophet ﷺ Received revelation Different things would happen And it's not mentioned in this narration But in another narration There's a bit more elaboration That he he was seated in front of them When suddenly he was seized By a seizure Which would take hold of him When he would receive revelation And she says at times it seemed as though a sleep had overcome him and then he would begin sweating. So the Prophet was seized by that seizure. She says that we, Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, helped the Prophet and placed a pillow under his head, and the Prophet lay down. But even on a cold day, he was sweating profusely and the beads of sweat were dropping off him like pearls. الله الله then, when the, the revelation was lifted of the Messenger of Allah, whilst he was laughing, meaning smiling, in another hadith it's mentioned that he wiped himself. And then he sat up, <coughs> smiling and beaming. So much so, she says, that I could see his noble teeth. And she also adds that whilst he was receiving the revelation, I was there utterly calm. For I feared nothing. But my parents, it was as though their souls were about to expire out of fear of what the Messenger of Allah would receive in revelation, that could she be guilty? Would what will he receive in revelation? But she says, "I, I was utterly calm, for I knew my innocence." Then the Prophet wiped his noble face and he sat up smiling. فَكَانَ أَوَّلَ كَلِمَةٍ تَكَلَمَ بِهَا أم قال لي So the first word he spoke of was that he said to me, Ya Aisha, O oh Aisha, Ihmadillah, praise Allah, faqad barra'akillah, for indeed Allah has declared you to be innocent. Faqalat li ummi, so mom, my mother said to me, Qumi ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa rise to the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faqult, so I said, la wallahi la aqumu ilayhi, naw, By Allah, I will not rise and stand to him. Remember I said earlier, she closed up. Her anguish was now replaced by anger. For she felt that no one believed. (coughs) So I said, No, by Allah, I will not rise to him. And I will not praise anyone but Allah. So Allah, the Almighty and the Majestic, revealed Indeed, those who have brought the lie, the great lie, are a party amongst you. The verses. Meaning, it's not mentioned here, but ten verses were revealed on that occasion. And they were. I'll quickly read and translate the verses of Surah An-Nur. Innal ladheena ja'oo bil ifki 'usbatum minkum la tahsaboohu sharran lakum bal huwa khayrun lakum. Li kulli mureemin minhum maktasaba min al-ithm walladhi tawalla kibrahu minhum lahu 'adhabun 'atheem. Indeed those who brought the great lie were a party from amongst you. <coughs> Do not consider this to be worse for you. Nay, it is better for you. For each man of them, for each person of them, is what he or she has earned of the sin. منهم, and he who assumed the greatest role of them, عظيم, for him is a great punishment. Meaning Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. The verses continue. لَوْلَا إِذْ سَمِعْتُمُونَ Why wasn't it that when you heard this, ظَنَّ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتُ بِأَنفُسِهِمْ خَيْرًا The believing men and believing women thought good of themselves. وَقَالُوا هَذَا Mubin, مُّبِينٌ Why didn't they say that this is a clear line? لَوْلَا جَاءُوا عَلَيْهِ بِأَرْبَعْتِ shuhada. Why did they not produce four witnesses? فَإِذْ لَمْ يَأْتُوا Shuhada so when they did not produce for, so because they do not produce witnesses, for ulayk in dalawi humulka So these people they are liars in the sight of Allah. وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ لَمَسَّكُمْ فِيمَا أَفْضَتُمْ فِيهِ عَذَابٌ عظيم. And if it wasn't for the grace of Allah and His mercy. In the world and in the hereafter, surely a great punishment would have afflicted you in what you did, in what you indulged in. لَوْلَا قُلْتُمْ مَا يَكُونُ لَنَا أَنَّ Why wasn't it that when you heard this Sorry, it's the rakkawna One verse in between. It's the rakkawna who be What a cool one be afwahikum. Ma leysa lekum bihi ilm. What a saboonahu hayina. What When you were exchanging these words amongst yourselves, and you were saying with your tongues that of which you had no knowledge. What a saboonahu and you were thinking of it as something light. When, in the sight of Allah, it was of immense gravity. And why wasn't it that when you heard this, قلتم, you said, It is not permissible for us to speak of this. Subhanak, may you be glorified, O oh Allah. This is a great calumny and lie. Allah warns you that you ever return to such behavior again if you are true believers. And Allah makes clear his signs to you. And Allah is all-knowing, All-wise. indeed those who love or who desire to see immorality and indecency spread amongst the believers. For them is a painful punishment in the world and in the hereafter. And Allah knows, and you do not know. la wa And had it not been for the grace of Allah and His mercy, then it's not mentioned, but it means you would have been punished. anna And indeed Allah is compassionate, is most merciful. These were the ten verses. She says, we're nearing the end of the hadith now. فَلَمَّا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ هَذَا So when Allah revealed these verses about my innocence. قَالَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ السِّدِّيقُ This part of the hadith is now ended. She says that Allah revealed my innocence and that was it. Now she speaks of something else. She says, فَلَمَّا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ When Allah revealed this about my innocence, قَالَ أَبُوْ بَكْرِ رَضِيَ Her father said, And he used to spend on Mistah ibn Uthathah because of his relation to him, relationship with him. وَاللَّهِ لَا أُنْفِقُ عَلَى By Allah, I will not spend anything on mistah, after what he has said of Aisha. Now, in, in order to understand this, let me explain. If you remember, I said right at the beginning that she went out one night to relieve herself and answer the call of nature when she returned to Medina. And she had fallen ill, but after some time, when she felt a bit better and began recovering, she went out to answer the call of nature with her grandmother's sister, the mother of Mistah. And the mother of Mistah was walking with her, and she tricked, who was she? This old old lady, she was her grandmother's sister, meaning her father's mother's sister. So her father's maternal aunt, her father's khala. So, she went out with her grandmother's sister, the mother of Mistah, and she tripped in her cloak. So when she tripped, she said, May Mistah perish. She said about her own son, May Mistah perish. So Aisha didn't know why she said that. So she said, And it seems as though she said it more than once. Some narrations, she said it more than once. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, Do you abuse a man who is a veteran of Badr? But why do you say this of him? Of your own son, of someone who is a veteran of Badr? So she said... Oh innocent, naive one, have you not heard what people have said about you? So this was her this was her 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 father's mother's sister. And Mistah was her son. So Abu Bakr an's cousin brother was Mistah Ibn Utatha. The father's name was Utatha, but his mother ...was the khalah, the maternal aunt of Abu Bakr Bakr as-Siddiq... ...radiyallahu I never mentioned this then, (coughs) but uh, I'll say it now. Why did she say... Taisa istah? Okay, she was walking with Aisha radiyallahu anha... ...in the dark, she was wrapped up in her cloak... ...and the bottom of the blanket must have been trailing on the ground in front of her... ...so she mistakenly, inadvertently stepped on the edge of the blanket... And as a result, she tripped. So, when a person trips, something comes out. A person makes an exclamation. Her exclamation was, May Mistah perish. What connection does that have with her tripping? It's very simple. She was thinking about this all the time. She was consumed by this. And she was worried that my own son, Mistah, is saying this about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wife, and he's saying this about his cousin brother's daughter. So she was thinking about this, ruminating over it, consumed by it. And because she was consumed by it, she wasn't paying much attention to the, to the way she walked. And as a result, that's all she was thinking about. She was absolutely walking, thinking about this, consumed by this. When she tripped... She obviously felt, what made her trip? Her lack of concentration on the moment, because she was consumed by what her son Mistah had done. So in a way he was responsible. She said, Woe be to Mistah, Mistah perish. So why does she say Mistah perish? Because unfortunately, Mistah radiallahu he was a sincere companion. He was a muhajir. He had traveled from Me- Mecca to Medina. He was an emigrant. He had done the great hijrah with Rasulullah sallallahu He was the cousin brother of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu and Their mothers were sisters. He was a sincere believer. He was poor. And... On this occasion Mr An made the error and the mistake of repeating the rumours that was being circulated about Aisha Allahu Anha. As they say, libel is libel, repeating a libel is libel. A rumour is a rumour, repeating a rumour is rumour, it's an allegation. The sin and the responsibility of the rumour of the allegation does not rest with the instigator of the rumour. It falls equally on the shoulders of those who perpetuate this rumor and this gossip. We are responsible for what we convey. So Mr. Allah unfortunately made the mistake of repeating the rumor to others and thereby perpetuating its circulation and its gossip. So when Abu Bakr found out that my own cousin brother Mistah is saying this about my daughter. He should know better, he's a family member. He's her uncle, one. Not only that, but Mistah was poor. So Abu Bakr used to provide his expenditure. He used to look after him. So imagine... Mistah was a dependent of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu He spent on him. He provided him with his livelihood and his sustenance and his upkeep and his maintenance and his nafaqah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu was even more angry that he is my dependent. I treat him like a family dependent. I spend on him. He lives off me. And then he dares to say this about my daughter. So Abu Bakr radiallahu an in his anger and justified he was, he said, By Allah, I will never again spend a dirham on Mistah. That's what she means. So she says, When Allah revealed these verses, about my innocence, or this about my innocence. Abu Bakr as siddiq radiyallahu anhu said, وَكَانْ يُنْفِقُ عَلَى أُثَاثَةِ من And he would spend on Mistah ibn Uthatha because of his relationship with him. What did he say? وَاللَّهِ لَا أُنْفِقُ عَلَى بَعْدَ مَا قَالَ لِعَائِشَةِ By Allah, I will not spend anything on Mistah after what he has said about Aisha. فأنزل الله عز وجل so Allah the Almighty and Majestic revealed the verse ولا يأتلي الفضل منكم والسعة أن يأتو أول Wal والمساكين والمهاجين في سبيل الله Wal Yasfahu ألا تحبون أن يغفر الله لكم والله غفور let not those who are of bounty and wealth Let not those of grace and wealth amongst you swear in the name of Allah that they will not give to their relatives and to the poor and needy and to those who have emigrated in the way of Allah. Who's that in reference to? Let not those of wealth and grace amongst you, Abu Bakr say siddiq swear in the name of Allah that they will not give to those who are their relations <coughs> to the relatives, the poor and the emigrants, yeah, no. meaning, Mistahibn Utha. Let them not swear thus in the way, in the name of Allah. Rather, yafu, Wal Yasfahu, let them forgive and let them overlook. Allah tuhibbuna in lakum. Do you not wish that Allah forgives you your sins? Allahu Rahim, and Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. Allahu Akbar. When this verse was revealed, فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكْرَ So Abu Bakr said, Bala, of course. Wallahi, إِنِّي لَأُحِبُّ أن يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لِي By Allah, surely I desire that Allah forgives me my sins. Then he said, it's not mentioned here, but in another narration, from this day onwards. By Allah. I will never hold withhold a single dirham from Mistah that I used to spend on him before. Allahu Akbar. ila So he then returned to Mistah that which he used to spend on him. Allahu Akbar. What a lesson. Forgiveness. Compassion. Mercy. Refusal to hold on to the burning cinders of the past a refusal to carry hate forgiveness is so great because when a person forgives another they relieve themselves before they relieve the other person they forgive themselves before they forgive the other person they lighten their own burden before they lighten another's and Abu Bakr as siddiq an. imagine the pain. His cousin brother, who was his dependent, on whom he had spent wealth, who depended on him, who lived off him, speaks of his daughter in such a manner. And then in an instant, when Allah says, Do you not wish that I forgive you your sins? Abu Bakr عنه, overturned his oath, forgave and forgot. Rasulullah. Now she says something else, a third thing. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, this is a final thing, two sentences we've ended the hadith. Rasulullah an And Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had asked Zainab, the daughter of Jash, about my affair. Faqal, so he said, Ya zainab Zaynab bin Jahsh was a co-wife of the Prophet. Was a co-wife of Aisha, radiyallahu anha, and she was her rival. And I mentioned in the hadith that I quoted early on from Bukhari. Although these words were not in Bukhari, that Fatima, radiyallahu anha, came to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, and she said, "The wives are pleading with you, and they are demanding justice in relation to the daughter of Abu Bakr." So in another narration it's mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ said, Who sent you? Who put you up to this? Was it Zainab? Is this the doing of Zainab? And, in, and then what had happened on that occasion is that Fatima anha <inaudible> went back. So the wife said, What did he say? So she, she told them what passed. So the wife said to her, You've done nothing for us. Then Zainab bin Tajahsh came. And indeed she was her rival. The closest to the Prophet, she was her cousin's sister. She was his cousin's sister. Noble woman of the Quraysh, his cousin's sister, one of the family, well spoken, confident. She was captivating. And she came. And she began arguing with Zainab with Aisha Anha in front of the Messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa And then, Prophet sallallahu wasallam remained silent. I explained that hadith in detail in Kitab al-Hibah, in the Book of Gifting. But she was indeed her rival. And when jealousy would take hold, they would exchange words. But, Allahu Akbar, their taqwa overrode everything. Their fear of Allah overrode everything. And this is what happens here. فقال, so he said, يا زينب, ما علمتي ما رأيتِ What do you know? What have you seen? فقالت, so she said, Ya رسول O Messenger of Allah أحمي سمعي وبصري I guard my eyes and I guard my ears. I guard my hearing and I guard my sight. Wallahi ma'alimtu alayha illa khayra. By Allah, I do not know anything of her except good. Despite their rivalry. She says, qalat, Aisha radiallahu anha says, و هي التي كانت تُسَامِيني. And she is the one who would rival me. فَأسَمَهَ اللهُ بِالورعِ but, but Allah protected her because of her fear of Allah. Meaning Allah protected her from becoming embroiled in sin because of her caution, her taqwa and her fear of Allah. Despite their rivalry, when that was one occasion, when all she had to do was slip in a single word and she would have removed her rival from the scene. But no. These were worldly considerations. For them they had their gaze on the akhirah on the hereafter. Theirs was a fear of Allah, which overrode everything. And even, she says, even though she was the one who would rival me, Allah protected her through her taqwa and her fear. And what does she say? Ya Rasulullah, ahni sam'i wa basari. But, O Messenger of Allah, I guard my hearing and I guard my sight. Wallahi ma'alimtu alayha illa khira. By Allah, I have not known anything of her except good. That brings an end to this hadith of Um, Umm al-Mu'mineen A'isha radiyallahu anha. I didn't even explain the verses today, but what I will do now, inshallah, in the next two weeks, is go through the verses of the Qur'an of Surah Al-Nur, those ten verses, in detail, and fit them in with the whole story of Um, Umm al-Mu'mineen A'isha radiyallahu anha. That shouldn't take too long. And then the remainder of next week's dars and the dars of the following week will spend on discussing the lessons that we have learnt and that can be drawn from this famous and long hadith and episode of Umm Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu life lessons that we can take away and practically implement in our daily lives i pray that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables us to understand wa sallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasulihi nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanak allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta this lecture was delivered by sheikh abu yusuf riyadhul hake and has been brought to you by al kotha productions for additional lectures and products please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on 0044 or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under licence by Alcotha Productions, all rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorised distribution, broadcasting or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.